Welcome to ESMA Open Podcasts. Today, it's my pleasure to welcome Professor Kim Margolin on the topic of melanoma brain metastasis. Hello, Professor. So my first question, why are brain metastasis a particular problem in melanoma? There's a very high incidence of metastasis to the brain among patients with advanced melanoma. We do not know exactly what causes that, and many scientists and clinical investigators are working on those mechanisms and, and biologic reasons for spread. But meanwhile, it is very threatening to patient survival because it causes neurologic complications. And how are brain metastasis from melanoma considered differently than brain metastasis from other tumor types? The differences between metastases in the brain from melanoma and from the two other diseases that most commonly travel to the brain and are more commonly represented because of their incidence, uh, which are lung and breast cancer, are different because the systemic treatments vary, the time in the natural history of the patient at which they occur tends to be different, the um, sensitive radiation is different, and so it creates the need to really approach brain metastases from melanoma in a way that's unique to melanoma and not lumped together with breast cancer, lung cancer, and other tumors that go to the brain less commonly. Also, those uh, tumors should be distinguished from the biology and management, of course, of primary brain tumors, which is also quite different. Which systemic treatment approaches are available for melanoma brain metastasis patients? Well, the systemic therapies that are uh, taken for melanoma metastatic to the brain are actually turning out to be very similar to the systemic therapy of metastatic melanoma in general. It turns out that the MAP kinase inhibitors, which are very, very potent, uh, especially as initial therapy in patients with melanoma that is driven by a BRAF mutation, uh, also work quite well against brain metastases, despite the fact that they are known not to penetrate well through an intact blood-brain barrier. The responses are not quite as frequent, and they're definitely not as prolonged, so it's more of a stopgap for those patients. For patients without a BRAF mutation or who are fit to receive immunotherapy, particularly first line, they uh, tend to have responsiveness to the most commonly used immunotherapies now, which are immune checkpoint blockade using CTLA-4 and PD-1 inhibitors in the same range that their systemic disease has. We think that's because the T cells that are activated and recognized tumor antigens are getting into the brain and not so much the antibodies themselves. There may be some T cells inside the brain and there may be some antibody that gets in, but for the most part, we believe that the action is occurring extracranially and that it goes into the brain. But once it does work in the brain, it seems to work essentially as well and possibly for as long, uh, pending uh, follow-up of the studies, as it does against melanoma outside of the brain. Other systemic approaches are far, far less gratifying. It has been popular in the past to use temozolomide because it has a little bit of activity against melanoma, and it has a great deal of ability to penetrate across the blood-brain barrier. But unfortunately, as a drug, it's, it's very, very weak, as are all of the cytotoxic agents. So we really only use it in circumstances where we 
don't have any other available options and maybe uh, sort of preparing the patients for um, succumbing to the disease. And are there patients that should uh, receive primarily a systemic treatment without any localized treatment? Well, there remains a question about which patients should be offered systemic therapy only initially and whether you are actually avoiding complications by foregoing or postponing the radiotherapy, which is generally um, given as stereotactic radiotherapy approaches for any subset of patients. It's becoming more recognized that the incidence of radionecrosis from stereotactic radiotherapy is increased in patients who go on to receive immunotherapy. And there are probably many biological reasons for that. So in order to potentially avoid the expense and the delay, as well as that important complication um, following radiotherapy, it may be possible to select patients who have small asymptomatic metastatic disease in the brain, who don't have edema requiring steroid therapy, who don't have uh, you know, other complicating uh, Features and who are candidates for systemic therapy um, and haven't, say, already failed it, to get upfront systemic uh, therapy only with very, very close attention to the CNS and making sure that you know if there is um, breakthrough brain metastasis growth, which would require coming in there promptly with the stereotactic radiotherapy. Are there still patients in need for whole brain radiotherapy? Well, I'd like to avoid using the word in need of when you have a therapy that hardly works. Um, so I would say there are patients who need something that works better than uh, systemic therapy and something that works better against microscopic brain metastases than SRT just to the macroscopic lesions. I don't think whole brain radiation is the answer. Again, very much like what I mentioned about temozolomide, whole brain radiation works so poorly and so briefly against melanoma metastatic to the brain that it's hardly ever used anymore. And again, sort of somebody whose uh, tumors are so extensive that they are felt to need that modality are really getting ready to succumb to the disease. Thank you so much, Professor, for this very interesting interview. Well, thank you very much for asking me.